What's up? What's up? This is Zach Boschman checking in. You're locked into the Citizen Truth podcast. We are honored today to have Dr. Oliver Boyd Barrett on the podcast. He's the author of Media Imperialism, among other books. Dr. Barrett, let's get right into it. What is media imperialism? Uh, media imperialism uh, is a term that's been uh, has been defined uh, differently by by different people, but essentially the way that I use it, uh, the term media imperialism refers to all of the ways in which the operations activities of mainstream media uh, engage with support or sometimes resist actual imperialism. Some people in telling talking about this engagement with issues of imperialism. Some people have concentrated in the past, have concentrated on the intimidating size and power of the big Western media uh, behemoths. Uh, today, they would include uh, organizations like uh, Facebook or, or uh, Apple or Amazon or uh, Comcast or Universal. Uh, Universal Comcast or uh, uh, the, um, the, the, the a news corporation and its uh, successors. Uh, and uh, it's said that these organizations are so powerful and have now been around for so long that they monopolize communication space, uh, if you will, in a way that ensures that a, a few powerful authoritative sources get to control the message uh, about whatever is going on around the world uh, and uh, very few alternative voices get to be heard. So that is one of the principal ways in which the term media imperialism used. I just prefer to, these days I prefer simply to use it to refer to the many ways in which uh, Western mainstream media uh, support the imperialistic, imperialistic activities uh, of, the, uh, of the Western nations under the leadership, of course, of the United States and how they, con how, how they uh, control the message about any of the current instances of imperialism that we look at today that would include, uh, for example, what's going on in uh, Syria or what is going on uh, uh, what went on in uh, Libya or what went on uh, in Iraq um, and what is going on right now uh, all around the borders of, uh, of Russia. Um, so one thing you mentioned in your book is uh, Operation Mockingbird. For the people who don't know, what was that? Well, the term uh, Operation Mockingbird, there are some debate as to whether it was ever actually, the term was actually ever used uh, by by the CIA, but w whether or not it was actually formally used is, is beside the point. We, uh, we have copious evidence of massive uh, CIA-funded attempts to uh, 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 control communication space throughout the Cold War years. The, uh, the revelations began to come out during the 1970s, uh, as a result of, an, of, of three or four uh, congressional investigations. Uh, they included the Church uh, commit, uh, Committee Commission. Uh, that was a Senate investigation. There was the Pike investigation, which was a con uh, House of Representatives uh, 
investigation, there was a Rockefeller Commission, um, uh, all of these sources together with some noted uh, journalistic exposures that included the work of uh, celebrated investigative journalists such as um, Carl Bernstein, still at that time working for, I believe it was Rolling Stone, and uh, then uh, Seymour Hirsch. Um, who had already been catapulted to fame uh, because of his exposures of my lay in, uh, in, in Vietnam. And, and all of these uh, sources exposed the extent to which the uh, CIA had infiltrated the Western mainstream media to the extent that there were hundreds of uh, mainstream journalists on the CIA payrolls and that the people who were included in the uh, CIA payroll included not, not just regular uh, pedestrian journalists, uh, but also the uh, senior, the owners and managers of some of the, uh, the major media organizations uh, of that time. Uh, um, so yes, uh, th th that's where we began to discover the extent of this phenomenon. And, um, and then we can talk about uh, what has happened since the 1970s. Yes, that gets right into my next question. Is the mainstream media today still infiltrated by intelligence agencies? Yeah, I, th I think uh, to answer that question, uh, we have to get it into a little bit of the, uh, the nuance of all of this. There are, there are many different ways in which uh, journalism and uh, intelligence agencies uh, cooperate, collaborate, and uh, not infrequently are complicit in uh, the distribution, in the in the dissemination of, uh, of, of propaganda, so uh, on on a work on a workaday level, uh, you have the phenomenon where often foreign correspondents, not always uh, not always necessarily foreign, uh, but foreign correspondents uh, who have working relationships with uh, sources in the intelligence community. It'd be difficult for them to do their jobs if they didn't actually have those kind of relationships. That, that is not particularly uh, surprising, but the problem always is that uh, when you're dealing with prestigious and powerful sources like that, you decide that you're going to use them, uh, you're, you, you, you're in very grave danger uh, after a little while uh, of then uh, beginning to do favors, uh, either because they treat you very well, they uh, offer you information that you didn't necessarily ask for, that goes beyond the court of duty, so, so to speak, you begin to feel that you owe them favors, you begin to feel that you need to highlight, highlight and to privilege particular spins or particular um, uh, narratives that they are feeding you. And you know very well that uh, they're probably uh, bunk, uh, 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 trash, uh, but you do it anyway because you need to safeguard uh, that source. Also, they can do you grave harm. They can damage your career unless uh, you play along with this game. Uh, do foreign correspondents also engage with intelligence uh, agencies uh, other than United States intelligence agencies? Um, yes, they do. So whatever we say about relationships between uh, mainstream uh, journalism and um, Western journalism and uh, the CIA, we could also say of uh, with respect to British intelligence agencies, German intelligence, the intelligence agencies of pretty much any nation that belongs to NATO. And, um, uh, but do they also collaborate with the intelligence agencies 
uh, in any other part of the world, maybe Russia or China, well, not nearly to the same degree, if at all. Uh, so the Western intelligence agencies have considerable influence. I've, ta I've, talked, I've talked about this relationship being a day-to-day uh, uh, -day relationship that sometimes uh, develops into something a little bit more sinister. Uh, so it, 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 it beggars the imagination. Um, it beggars my uh, imagination, Zach. You, you do a, a, an imaginative experiment. Uh, the, the kind of mental exercise, mental discipline that uh, Albert Einstein uh, one, once recommended. You ask yourself, uh, if you are engaged in a competitive political environment, you have uh, the greatest resource, well, the best resourced uh, intelligence agencies uh, in the world. Um, you know that uh, the dissemination uh, of information, and in particular, the dissemination of propaganda, absolutely depends on uh, persuading mass media to play along with the narratives that you want to prioritize. Um, it beggars belief that if, if, if that is the situation which you are in, you, 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 you don't uh, press the levers that are in front of you, that are available to you uh, very, very easily. Uh, so, uh, is there bribery? Are there threats? Of course. Uh, uh, um, do sometimes intelligence agencies uh, recruit uh, journalists so that, in fact, the journalists are answerable to the intelligence agencies over and above their commitment to the commitments to their media employers? Of course. Do intelligence agencies sometimes actually plant their own people in the media so that they can operate um, uh, 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 at the very center of media operations? Yes, uh, yes, yes, they do. Not, not merely to, uh, to propagate or to, to disseminate propaganda, but also because media has such valuable uh, assets uh, that allow you to operate unseen in many parts of the world where you might not otherwise have access, where you're not able to say hand on heart that I'm a journalist. So in all these and, and, and in other ways, um, uh, more recently, uh, we've seen a development of, the, the, of, of secondary organizations that are linked to the intelligence uh, establishment, but then are used by journalists. So I would say that an interesting example of this is, uh, is Bellingcat, for example, Bellingcat.com, which is supposedly an independent uh, organization that was set up by one man in, uh, in, in Leicester in the United Kingdom uh, a decade or so ago, and is now regularly uh, 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 used as a, as a source um, for some of the most <laughs> difficult and controversial um, uh, issues around uh, around the world, from uh, what's going on in Syria to whether the Russians are behind the Catalan, Catalan uh, independence movement. Um, all, all of these things, all of a sudden, the media are quoting uh, without critical qualification this supposedly one-man operation, because there's no longer one man. And uh, Alan uh, McLeod of uh, FAIR.org fame did a very recent interesting expose of um, the personnel that currently work for Benningcat.com and showed that uh, many of them have links to the military and, and intelligence um, apparatus. And then uh, many of these go on, they are fed into 
in, in, into the media world after they stop working for for Benningcat.com. Uh, I'm not saying Benning, and so. In, in addition to that, we have a whole raft, uh, a swath of so-called non-government organisations. A very uh, distracting uh, descriptor, by the way, that notion of non-government organisation. They nearly always, <laughs> nearly all of them seem to take huge funding from from governments. Um, and only that you can say, well, they're not actually part of the of the of the civil service or the bureaucracy of any particular um, particular government. But in the case of the UK over the last uh, few years, uh, we've seen an extraordinary uh, succession of exposures of um, different propaganda organisations, front front organisations, uh, many of them supposedly humanitarian, uh, that are funded by the British government and get involved in information operations. Sometimes a very sinister operation, such as for example, uh, the White Helmets. Um, uh, there's an association between uh, a supposed non-government organization, ARC, deeply in the pocket of the uh, British Foreign and Commonwealth Office, um, ARC's relationship to uh, the gentleman who founded um, uh, the White Helmets, um, um, Le Mesurier, and, um, uh, and uh, the, this, uh, how that White Helmets operation was sustained. Uh, Le Mesurier was a British military uh, character. Um, and, um, uh, and many people ask themselves, was, who was he working for at the time that uh, uh, he collaborated with Ark in the setting up of, uh, of, the, of the White Helmets? So you see this, this, this question of the relationship between intelligence and, uh, and, and the media over, over time has gotten more and more complex. Uh, in, in some of the ways that I that, that, that I, I, I have described. However, the, the overall purpose of this whole thing hasn't really changed over the past 100 years. It's basically, you're in the propaganda business, uh, you want to smear some people, uh, you want to glorify uh, some other people, you want to put some lies out there uh, which will suit you. Sometimes you don't need the lies to be believed for very long. It doesn't matter if the lies exposed as a lie next year, because maybe next year, hopefully next year, you would have won the battle and everyone would have totally forgotten. Uh, like the, so for example, I, I always think of the, um, the, um, the babies in the incubators example from the uh, Iraq uh, war back in uh, 1990 to 1991. Uh, and uh, uh, it was a propaganda campaign. I don't say it was necessarily an intelligence uh, uh, propaganda, but uh, Hill and Norton were behind it, so a bona fide public relations agency, um, but with very interesting links to to the White House at that time and to some major players in, um, in Congress. And um, so they, they spin this story about how uh, Iraqi troops in, um, who are invading uh, Kuwait uh, are going into hospitals, you know, as though they didn't have anything else to do. They go into hospitals and uh, take babies out of incubators and leave the, uh, uh, the, the babies on, on, on the floor to, to die uh, because they want the incubators. It, when you think about it, it, it's really just an absurd and silly story, which most people would recognize instantly as a typical example of atrocity propaganda. Uh, the thing about atrocity propaganda, propaganda in which intelligence agencies routinely become involved is that, um, 
uh, sometimes it's true, then you can, uh, it's easier to use. And propaganda is usually better when, uh, when it's actually based in real reality. But oftentimes you actually have to invent it because you actually don't have the necessary images and you don't have the necessary um, uh, uh, documentation. Um, so you, you, you invent something uh, that may or may not be based in any kind of reality, but you have to come up with uh, fabricated uh, evidence, uh, whether documentary or visual or or, or whatever it is, and, uh, and 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 you go with that, and that's precisely the kind of activity that intelligence agencies are good for. That's what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. I'd like to uh, talk about the alleged April 2018 uh, chemical attack in Douma, Syria. You know, the the mass media said uh, Assad is using chemical weapons on his own people. Um, you seem to come to the conclusion in your book that that was uh, doubtful. Can you kind of speak yeah. to how you arrived at that? Yeah, just, just uh, uh, um, a small correction, uh, Zach, if you if you will allow me. My yeah. book was published in 2015, so the I do have a, a chapter which deals with uh, this kind of propaganda in both uh, Libya and, uh, and, and, and in Syria. But when I was writing, the scandal du jour uh, was still the alleged attack, chemical weapons attack um, on rebels in East Ghouta, East Ghouta being a, um, a distant suburb of uh, Damascus. And um, uh, it, it, when I looked at the evidence, um, it just seemed to me that um, there were all kinds of uh, suspicions as to whether Assad was really uh, culpable. Whereas, of course, the mainstream media, is, is, this is what they do, uh, they just went with the one story and um, uh, either ignored, more usually simply ignored, uh, or, uh, or, or um, uh, poo-pooed the... Um, uh, any any contrary uh, evidence. Uh, Ted Postal um, was one of the better sources of evidence on this. He was a he, he's a missile expert. He's now emeritus uh, of MIT and also Stanford University. And he was one of the most uh, serious um, uh, investigators of the uh, of this alleged chemical weapons attack. And he, with his colleague, um, came to the conclusion that um, everything that um, was being alleged um, could, could be shown to be empirically false. So we had a number of these instances uh, throughout the Syrian conflict. Uh, so East Ghouta 2000, and, um, I'm forgetting, I think it's 2013, 2014, um, uh, East Ghouta, and then you got uh, King, uh, uh, Khan Shakun uh, in 2017, then you got Duma in 2018. There are others as well, uh, but it's these three major uh, uh, allegations um, that have captured or uh, have captured most of the controversy. The, uh, the, the most interesting and most important aspect of the Duma 2018 allegations uh, it, it's, question, it's very questionable whether there was any kind of chemical, chemical, chemical attack at all. Mm -hmm. uh, at least in East Ghouta and um, in uh, Khan Shikun, you could find evidence of, of, of some kind of chemical weapons. Um, the issue was, well, yeah, but who would actually use them? Uh, was this um, uh, a false flag operation? Uh, or was it really uh, Assad? Uh, but in, in Duma, it's very questionable whether there were uh, any, uh, 
you, you could show that there were traces of chlorine, but then you can show that there are traces of chlorine practically anywhere you go in the world, you'll find traces of chlorine. In drinking water, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But the most, the most important aspect of, not, apart from the fact that reputable journalists um, uh, were going into uh, Duma uh, very soon after the attack and, uh, and finding that the evidence was very unclear and that uh, many people um, on the ground were professing not to, be, to have been aware of any kind of aerial uh, attack, but um, uh, thought that there may have been um, conventional bombing that had, that had caused uh, suffocation with some of the buildings that had been targeted by, by um, conventional bombs. And that that may have been uh, then ex um, uh, exaggerated by uh, local jihadists on the ground who were in control of Duma in this period, by the way, uh, would be made difficult, you know, to 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 stay to 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 um, to gotten away with this without uh, the jihadists already being in control of the city, and um, uh, the, the the jihadists may have uh, grossly exaggerated. Um, uh, what had happened? The problem with uh, Duma. Uh, this, this is the, and, and this is something that even, even the skeptics find it very difficult to talk about. You've got the bodies. You've got the bodies. Real people were killed. The, the question is, how were they killed? Where were they killed? Who killed them? Mm -hmm. And were the God, were the bodies repositioned for the purposes of a false, uh, false, false flag um, attack? Um, now, uh, my examination of the evidence suggests that, uh, yes, the bodies uh, were repositioned. They, they were hauled in uh, to, uh, to this building. Every, everything about this uh, situation is totally fabricated. Uh, I am concerned about the bodies. And then once you start facing that reality, real people are killed, then you have to, you, you can decide that's not terribly interesting. You, you can decide, well, let's just forget about the body because that's really very uncomfortable. But yeah, who, yeah. Uh, if you're in the business, business of propaganda analysis, no, you, you can't. You don't. You can't. You don't have that luxury. You you gotta you gotta start really asking the very difficult questions. Where do these bodies come from? Um, but I'm going to move quickly to perhaps the, the single most important aspect of the whole Duma um, uh, episode, which is that the OPCW, the Organization for the uh, Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, did go into Duma uh, way too late. Um, uh, to undertake their investigations, um, they uh, the, the, their, their draft report, their inspector's draft report was very skeptical of the evidence that they found. Uh, at most, perhaps some uh, uh, perhaps some chlorine. Certainly not um, anything more sinister than that. And. Um, uh, but their, their draft report uh, was smothered. Uh, as we now know, it's, it's very clear this was smothered at the very top of the OPCW um, hierarchy. The OP OPCW, uh, OPCW hierarchy determined that the narrative has to be that Assad used, staged a chemical weapons attack on Duma. Um, in, uh, and, um, and that's all... Uh, and uh, that has now been exposed. 
the uh, the whistleblowers from the OPCW ha um, have come forward. Uh, their accounts are credible, and the OPCW, uh, instead of trying to deal with this situation transparently, has has tried to cover it up um, through through smearing. Um, and uh, is now in a very bad place indeed. And of course, the trouble for NATO and uh, for the entire Western world that, is, um, that depends on organizations like the OPCW to sustain uh, these, uh, these narratives of humanitarian um, crimes that then become pretext, alleged crimes that then become pretexts for Western intervention uh, in the pursuit of uh, Western foreign policy objectives, um, which we can broadly refer to as um, neoliberal um, objectives and in effect world domination. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the, these countries depend on organizations like the OPCW uh, to come out with the right kind of findings uh, to support these humanitarian pretexts. This is all beginning to crumble, not just because of OPCW, um, but uh, across the board, um, particularly as in the wake of the allegations of um, this uh, raft of nonprofit uh, humanitarian organizations that are actually being funded by the British Foreign and Commonwealth Office and all the other um, shenanigans that are that are being paid, played particularly by Britain. Britain seems to be some kind, almost like the uh, the, the sort of the, the, the propaganda hothouse um, of the NATO cabal. Um, all of this is beginning to crumble, and I think um, they're very worried. Uh, the, the the people behind all of this who are paid to make this run and to make it work, I think they're beginning to realize that uh, it's simply not working. Uh, and they're looking, by the day, they're looking sillier and sillier. Awesome. Um, so uh, do you have time for one more question? Um, of course. So, uh, you know, what something very relevant right now is is the war on Palestine and uh, due to the fact that you're a scholar, you know, on uh, on media, uh, I'd like to get your take on uh, the mainstream media uh, coverage in the U.S. on that war. It's uh, it, Zach, it's the, it's the same as uh, we have seen throughout the, the this entire horrible uh, depressing story um, of, uh, of Palestine since the uh, foundation um, of, uh, of Israel in uh, the late 19, the 1940s, uh, but it's only gotten worse uh, over time. So the, Pal uh, the Palestinians and the, uh, in, in the Gaza Strip and uh, the, the, the West Bank, um, the, the, these are the territories, the only territories now that remain Palestinian, waffle, you know, uh, whittled down to a, a mere fraction uh, of the land that was originally occupied by the Palestinians prior to the foundation of the uh, to the to the to the state of Israel, um, and uh, and now they are under occupation. Um, sometimes the occupation takes the form of uh, Israeli troops on the ground, or most of the time it's simply that um, uh, these these people trapped in these small. Uh, territorial enclaves have have no freedom uh, to, uh, to to leave. Uh, practically, all of their relations with the external world are are controlled and suppressed uh, by by the Israelis. And um, should they uh, do the the slightest thing that uh, annoys or irritates um, uh, is, is Israel, uh, then they are subjected to this totally disproportionate uh, barrage of hate and war crime and murder 
um, and, and uh, this time is somewhat worse uh, than on um, most of the previous occasions, um, but it, it's still the same boring story or tedious, horrible uh, story in which, uh, for the most part, there are some exceptions. Um, but uh, for the most part, the story is about how, oh, you know, uh, the Palestinians are being controlled by this terrorist organization, Hamas, and that Hamas is, uh, is a front organization for Iran. And uh, we don't know why, quite why Iran is so horrible, but it's, uh, you know, and, uh, Israel doesn't like Iran. And therefore, uh, you know, the fact that Iran has links to Hamas must be a terrible, a terrible thing um, and totally justifies murdering uh, women and uh, children. What is it? 60 children now murdered, uh, Palestinian children murdered already, about 230 uh, Palestinians so far uh, murdered um, uh, by, by, by Israel. And what, about 20 Israelis, um, um, unfortunately, have also lost their lives, probably as a result of the firing of these uh, totally inept, yeah. uh, inaccurate, um, badly put together uh, rockets um, from, uh, from Palestinian uh, territories. So um, the uh, the mainstream Western media will treat Palestine and uh, Israel as though these were two equal warring parties who, for absurd reasons, seem to insist on getting uh, on not getting on well with one another. And aren't they silly? And if only you know, if only they were British, or if only they were American, or if only they were French, they would see the error of their ways and they would sit around uh, the table, have a glass of wine and sort it all, all out in a very sensible, rational sort of way. Sort of way. What rubbish this is. Uh, if you have someone, uh, if you have a knife to the throat of a child and you keep that knife to the throat of a child for years and years and years, um, is, is this an is this an equal uh, relationship? Of course it isn't. Um, it, it is horrific. It's, it's every bit as disgusting as what went on uh, in the concentration camps in under the Nazis. And of course now Israel um, is perhaps has better learned this lesson from the Nazis about how you sub, uh, how you subjugate um, and oppress and humiliate an entire people. The, the Israelis seem to have learned this lesson better than anyone else. Uh, around the globe, Doctor, and the Western and the Western media play into that narrative. Doctor, oh, Bear, so, and, and I beg your pardon. I'm sorry, Zach, no, but I, I just just kind of link it back to yeah. uh, to the beginning of this conversation. So the question then is, well, why do the mainstream media insist on playing this game? And I, then I throw back that question to those who ask it. I say, well, do you, you you think that uh, all the uh, journalists and all the editors and senior editors and all the people who own the mainstream media are absolutely stupid? Maybe, but I don't think they're stupid. I think most of them are pretty smart, but they also realize what they have to do to be allowed to continue to exist, to make money um, in um in, 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 in their Western markets, because in order to be allowed to exist, you have to play the game that the, um, uh, that, 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 that the system, the corporate military industrial complex requires you to play. You have to tell the story according to what the State Department tells you it is or according to the, what the foreign, common, foreign and Commonwealth Office tells you that it is. That is why the story remains so unchanging, so eternal, and so eternally wrong.
Dr. Barrett, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really appreciate it. Great conversation. Very welcome, Zach. Take good care. Zach Boschman here, co-owner of CitizenTruth.org. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Citizen Truth podcast. The intro and outro song is Enthusiast by Tours and is provided via the Creative Commons license. Please subscribe and check us out at CitizenTruth.org.